Kicking and Streaming Podcast is brought to you by Cafe 1804. Premium Haitian coffee now available online at cafe1804.com. That's cafe, K-A-F-E, 1804.com. So I called my sister during the week and she's like, well, we've had to stay home for the past few days. And I'm like, oh, I thought they lifted your stay-at-homes back in Haiti. And she's like, yeah, but we have a new stay-at-home. And I'm like, what is it now, right? She said, the streets of Port-au-Prince are completely white and dusty. And I'm like, okay, and that's from one. She's like, well, there's a sandstorm coming from the Atlantic, from the Sahara Desert. And I'm like, that's bullshit. <laughs> Come on. What? Seriously, now they run out of excuses for stay at home. They're just going to tell you all, yeah, something is coming from Africa. And, she, and I'm like, that's bullshit. That, that's not true. I don't. So I get home and I start researching the fucking thing. And I'm like, it's for real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw somebody on Twitter and I, I sent it to my best friend. But it's true. It's because the national weather association or whatever it is had released a statement about this sahara dust storm thing and somebody replied to them on twitter it's like i always wondered what it would be like to live during the times of the civil war the spanish flu the great depression the <laughs> civil rights movement watergate and the dust bowl not all at once mind you but you know beggars <laughs> and choosers and all <laughs> <laughs> like okay <laughs> yo <laughs> i mean I've, I've had an idea it's here but like all together son <laughs> what all at the same time <laughs> and somebody is like this is 2020 dust you know it contains like that that thing from the movie the mummy that's <laughs> yeah. gonna be like a yesterday like, morning i said that to christine christine's like i wonder what it's gonna bring i'm like yeah the mummy <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness this is bullshit but i like seriously i I can't even imagine the next few months. And like, it's only been six months, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Only been six months. I read another theory that somebody says it's, it's a, uh, um, somebody has gone back in time and is, uh, keeps screwing things up. And the more they try to do to fix it, the worse they are making it. <laughs> Marty, get back to 2020, you stupid ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit hey that could well but that's a that's a good theory i mean somebody <laughs> fucked up <laughs> in, the, in the timeline and shit <laughs> maybe that same guy on twitter that, that was always wondered how to what was it to live within all these eras <laughs> <laughs> he's like well let's just make it all happen in one year that'll be fine right <sighs> i don't think we can take it i'm just saying <laughs> this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, so there's some, some good stuff on TV, especially Netflix, have been bombarding me this week about shows that I've watched that have come back for a new season and stuff. Uh, have you been receiving any of those uh, advisories from Netflix? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, like, I just realized something, though. Whenever a show started, like, you know, with some TV production and stuff, and Netflix decides to take it over because whatever, the show got canceled or anything like that. Netflix does a, like, 360 with the storyline. 
with the plot mm-hmm. line of the show. And sometimes it works. And sometimes you're like, what the fuck am I watching, dude? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's kind of like they they buy the name or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> and then are like, yeah, we're, we're going to make what we wanted to make. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, what? So, like, I've been watching, I watched the first two seasons of Marcella, which is this British show with Anna Friel and uh, Nicholas Pinock was on it. And, I mean, I, I love the first two seasons. Now Netflix be like, hey, Graham, Marcella is back. And I'm like, yeah, nigga, let me go watch it. Started it last night, and it's a completely, like, I mean, completely different. Completely mm-hmm. different, completely different mm-hmm. ca- uh, characters and actors, except for Anna Frill. And, by the way, her name is not even Marcella anymore. <laughs> <laughs> The show is still called Marcella. But her name isn't Marcella. She's like living under an assumed name of Kira. And I'm like, whatever, dude. Okay. okay. No, All right. That's... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's one thing to change and tweak a few things. I mean, I think sometimes that's welcome, especially for the streaming crowd to be like, okay, we're going to change a few things to, to make this a little more streaming friendly but at the same time you don't want to alienate everybody who was rooting for this to to get saved so like making it a completely different show makes no sense to me yeah i I think netflix is trying too much and there's there is such thing as trying too much any yeah yeah (laughs) i think they feel i feel like they're just throwing everything at the at the wall and seeing what what sticks and what doesn't and i don't know I saw that the Umbrella Academy got renewed for a second season. And I'm like, seriously, we're getting a second season of that, but you can't finish out the OA? Oh, my God. <laughs> but like, this, I mean, the crowd that likes the Umbrella Academy has to be the weirdest fucking people on earth, man. Because, like, I just just couldn't. I just couldn't get into the show for shit. Yeah, I I, I. I couldn't get past much of the end of anything with it, actually. <laughs> yeah. The moment I saw the monkey butler that could talk and spoke with this perfect British accent and shit, I'm like, yeah, no, that's not cool. I mean, you could have made that nigga at least, you know, a nice Nigerian accent or whatever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you're going to go that way, go all. Go I mean, all, come on. Yeah. Bullshit, man. Yeah. Yeah, no. Well. We should get this started, man, because, like, <laughs> people's going to think, like, what is this? Is this just two people talking? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> this is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge-watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. All right. Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming. My name is Graham, and with me, of course, still on the other side of Skype, but sounding fantastic, is the great Jojo, your favorite co-host of all Howdy time. Howdy-do. <laughs> Aw, yay. I'm the only co-host. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm your only son. Like, dude, dude, calm. I'm just chilling. 
<laughs> Jojo, so tell people how you been, man. I've been pretty good. Been pretty good. It's been all right. Yep, it's been all right. It's been hot as balls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know where you get the comparison to balls, but I know it's been hot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where it's like you go outside and it's really sweaty and steamy and like it's just. It's a whole different level of, of, I mean, I don't have them, but I, I, when I walk out into it and it's that kind, I'm like, yeah, this must be what it's like to be a pair of balls in, in underwear. Yo, that's a fantastic imagination. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I know there's something wrong with me. It's okay. Yo, you, you make my day. <laughs> All right. So. Yay. To continue with the opening of the show, uh, this week we are talking about uh, foreign TV shows and mostly TV shows. We're not talking about foreign movies. But, Jojo, these past few days, you and I have been talking a lot about how interesting it is to see that Netflix, especially Netflix, is going beyond the seas and reaching out to other countries who seem to have you know, built up a reputation for good TV shows and taking them as original series for Netflix and bringing it over to us. And how, for some reason, we still don't see these shows, you know, gaining popularity in the U.S. And so we ask ourselves why, right? Yeah. And it, it, it all seems to always come back to the fact that Americans don't like to read subtitles. But at the same time, they don't like dubbed movies and TV series either, which I find a little weird because if you're born outside of the United States, pretty much everything you consume from Hollywood is dubbed or subtitles. Yeah. And so... We're going to talk about that a little bit before we dive into the movies. But I wanted to ask you, an American-born person, why do you think foreign movies are celebrated in Hollywood but have never become part of the uh, uh, quotidian culture of the United States? I think that's a really good question. I think some of it is, if we're going to talk about movies, they... For example, for most of small town USA, they only ever get the blockbusters in the movie theater. There's very rarely anything that's going to have subtitles or be dubbed. So it's rare to be even be able to have the chance to see that or be exposed to it. So I think that might be part of it in the sense of it's just not available. So if it's not available to you when you're in sort of your formulative years, then eh, you you may, as you're older, like this, too much trouble. I think, too, with television shows, most of that is going to come from PBS. You're never going to get it on a a large network like CBS or ABC or, or NBC. So PBS is definitely going to bring it over, but then there is 
for some reason, I do not understand a, a stigma that seems to come with watching PBS that you're, you know, a nerd or an elitist right. or something along those lines, which I don't understand because it's free exactly. television. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's 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 for the people by the people television. I don't understand why it gets this sort of like, oh, well, you must be a snob if you watch PBS. So I, I, I don't I don't understand that. So I think that. If it's since it's going to be on there, that's really our only ability to watch it until streaming happened, of course. But I think again, your formulative years are you're either fine with being a nerd <laughs> or you're like, oh, I'm not watching that, that's what nerds watch. So that's my opinion. I never really gave a shit about what people thought of me <laughs> as is as is deeply apparent in everything that comes out of my mouth apparently but yeah so i i happily watched pbs i personally am more comfortable in reading subtitles than in having something dubbed uh, the the lips not quite matching up with what's being said sort of does things to my head so i prefer to read um, <laughs> it does things to my head <laughs> Yeah, it does. It's kind of like, oh god, this is edited so poorly. Oh wait, this is this is an overdub. Of course, it's not going to match up. But I have but, to say um, that there are some languages that are more seamless with the English motion of the of the mouth. Yes. Uh, but I see exactly yes. what you're saying. Like for instance, you know, having been raised between two countries, one that spoke Spanish and one that spoke French, I. <laughs> There is an entire menu of, of Spanish dubbing, for instance, especially back in the days when you had DVDs, because there is a Spanish for Latin America, uh, which is sort of like more neutral. Then you have a Spanish that is either n considered North American or Mexico Spanish, which is going to be very different in sound and sometimes in slangs. And then you have, of course, the Castilian Spanish, which is the one that obviously is spoken in Spain. But to us in Latin America, it always sounded funny. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And almost, there sense. is no way, like, I don't, I don't know why, but like you couldn't see a bad guy ever like speaking with a Castilian accent, that shit was funny as hell. <laughs> it's just, just doesn't matter. Like when, when a dude is bad and he, he or she had the Mexican accent, and Mexico has so many accents, for instance, you know, mostly the bad guy had like a, a northerner accent. Uh, what Mexico, in Mexico is called the Regio Montano, people from Monterrey, and like sort of like almost towards the the bridge towards Texas. So even even in their Spanish, there is a, a sound of Texas, and you know, and that guy was terrifying because you know he had that you know, <laughs> but the dude from Spain had like almost a a college professor. <laughs> a college professor accent who is cursing a lot, but still you can't manage to get offended by him cursing. <laughs> <laughs> 
So is it kind of like the difference between, so in America, you know, you've got like the 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 Wisconsin, the Minnesota accent, and then like the hard New York, yes. thick Long Island <laughs> accent. So it's, you can totally take, understand and believe a mob boss with the thick hey. Long Island accent, hey. but with, with, with a Minnesota or a, a Wisconsin accent, you're like, yeah, no. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, how cute. <laughs> yeah, this is so adorable. Say something else mean. <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's exactly right. And so that, you know, the whole idea of watching foreign movies and in, in, in foreign TV, I found it to be sort of like almost politically controversial in the U.S., and that has always fascinated me. And it, it has to do with what you just said, is that American anti-intellectualism is so divisive that Watching public television, listening to public radio somehow makes you an elitist. And that is the biggest pile of shit I've ever heard. You know, I mean, the guy that can afford to pay HBO Max and shit is going to look you in the eyes and say, oh, I don't watch public television. That's elitist. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I I don't understand how that happened. I really don't. I don't get it. It's it's mind boggling and baffling to me, but it, it's I don't know. It's very strange. It's very very strange. And so, of course, in that sense too, if that's the only place that you're going to have it, PBS also has to, you know, properly spend whatever the money that they are allotted or able to generate from pledge drives. So they're probably less likely to buy something with subtitles or that's been dubbed because they know that it's probably not exactly. going to get watched as as opposed to say a british sitcom exactly. or or something from britain which they can certainly get for cheap but they know that somebody is going to watch it yeah. you know that's that's how most of of my generation i think got exposed to british humor british well, i shouldn't say my generation but my 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 friend set my my set of 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 people who were interested in things outside of of mainstream who were also dirt poor (laughs) (laughs) um that's you know that's how we got exposed to things beyond your your regular summer blockbusters and that kind of thing because we did grow up in a small town and there was no foreign movie house to go to it just didn't exist and the local movie six movie six local movie six you know they played the six movies that they knew was going to make them money not some weird thing with subtitles yeah no you're absolutely right i mean but also um it's important to 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 uh, let people know that also when movies especially movies from hollywood once they get out of hollywood into other countries their titles can change drastically to mean absolutely nothing in the U.S., but mean completely a different thing in the country where they're being exhibited. Mm-hmm. And the same happened, for instance, with TV with TV shows that we used to watch back in, in Latin America. For instance, different strokes would have never meant anything to us back in Haiti. And so the name of that sitcom was Arnold and Willis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of uh, a lot of movies that I came, you know, once I started actually watching movies instead in English, you know, after right after twelve, thirteen years 
old, even though I already knew or spoke English, but I, I kind of like preferred to watch movies in whatever language that it was being exhibited. And after I became a teenager, I started strictly watching everything in English because at the time, then I had HBO and shit, right? <laughs> I had Cinemax, right. HBO and Showtime, all of those little uh, TV that is included in our packages back in Latin America. Uh, and so I started strictly watching because it was cool too to watch everything in English, whatever. And then I started realizing, oh, that's what this show's called. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I really want to watch the show. It sounds like a good oh, show. So Wait a minute. <laughs> I work. Yeah, surreal. I said, wow. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> and, and they use the same fonts, the same letters, the same colors to reprogram the title in the language that they want to, but it has nothing to do with what it says in English. Um, but, but it also, I think, opens a window into a different world, into the world outside of the United States to you. And I think this is where I find, you know, the American watchers should start seeing these. Maybe you've never thought about visiting a certain country or getting acquainted with a certain culture until you found yourself watching a foreign movie or a, foreign t- or a TV show from that country, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And I'm I'm excited for there to be things that are coming to Netflix since Netflix is what we're talking about today. You know, there's some examples on here like I've I've never watched a, a Dutch original series. Yes. And that's fascinating to me. I mean, I don't really know very much at all about Dutch culture and I really don't know anything about what the television there is like. So, I mean, that's that's exciting to me to even if I hate it, <laughs> even if I end up not liking it, I'm still interested in being exposed to it because, you know, I feel like that's a, a big window onto onto society and to what it's like to to live there. I mean, not necessarily 100%, of course, because we know how Hollywood changes things um, in America, but at least you get some kind of a, a small idea. Yeah, I mean... One, my fascination, for instance, started with, with foreign uh, TV with uh, like when, when I was living in the Dominican Republic, it was specifically with Brazilian shows, right? I started to realize the vast difference that, was, that there was between, for instance, and it was mostly novelas, but like there was a huge difference between a Venezuelan uh, and Mexican novela versus a Brazilian novella, because Brazilian novella, I think I've told you, uh, I've talked about this in the show, in the podcast before, you know, Brazilian novella was almost a thriller, like, you know, there was guns, there was violence, there was, um, it, it was almost like a, like a movie that played Monday to Friday in your TV for one hour. Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, the ability to see the dubbing and how the voice in Spanish for some reason matched whatever the person looked like, whatever the Brazilian actor looked like. I was fascinated by that. And like when you were able to catch this actor in an interview for whatever other TV station and you realize that 
they were being dubbed with a completely different voice. She was like, that's not him. <laughs> right. Because right, you were right. used to the voice that you heard on the on, on the on the uh, sitcom, in it. So we are today going to talk about these sixteen foreign TV shows that are available on Netflix. And as you said, Jocelyn, we are obviously talking about Netflix, but that's not. This is not just happening on Netflix because Amazon Prime also has a lot of foreign uh, foreign TV shows that we we have to at some point compile and and mm-hmm. talk about. Mm-hmm. And Hulu, Hulu is kind of getting into Hulu that. Hulu is too. getting into that, yes. Um, yeah. So it is important before we get started to say that we are taking this list out of an article by popsugar.com um, and the article is written by Corinne Sullivan and it is 16 new foreign TV shows on Netflix in 2020 that are so worth the subtitles. So shall we get started, Jojo? Yes, let's do that. All right, then. So the first one is called Aris, and this psychological horror series and Netflix's first Dutch original series revolves around a secret student society in Amsterdam and two friends who join it, only to find out the club is far more menacing than initially seemed. We guarantee you've never seen a college hazing experience like this one. The show is called is called Aris, A-R-E-S, and it is on Netflix. Yeah, I'm interested in that because, like I said, I... I have not watched any Dutch television, so I, I want to at least give that one a try. Yeah, I like the 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 habit that they seem to be wearing, sort of like a a slightly different. What was that show on Hulu that that little girl does with the red uh, scarlet? Oh, Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely menacing. Yes, yes, I like that. I, I like that. Uh, blue has never been more menacing than, <laughs> than it looks now. Uh, so <laughs> I will take a look at it anyway. Yeah. All right, then. So next on the list is Black Moon. It's set in 17th century Salino, or is it Saleno? Chileno. Chileno, of a ghost village in the province of... Boy, you gave me the one with all the hard words. <laughs> if you're terrible. <laughs> Uh, Italy. This drama centers on a teenage midwife who's accused of using witchcraft after she has a dark premonition while helping her grandmother deliver a baby. Addie is then forced to flee from her village with her younger brother in tow, where she meets a group of ancient witches, as well as a really cute boy named, is it Pietro? Yes. Okay. Yay! You got one right. You got Pietro. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, The visuals on this one are very lush. It looks it looks very very period drama very very I don't know what are those bodice buster type things so it's interesting it's it's amazing because like <laughs> the center of fashion in in Europe in in the 17th century wasn't Italy at all but somehow <laughs> I find that Italians have always been banging it in terms of fashion. like you know france and 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 actually england where like the the 
the most forward in terms of fashion. And I find it to be absolutely dreadful, especially English fashion during during the 17th century. Uh, Yes. Putting a pheasant feather in your balls and see it to look like you've got a massive junk. It's it's absolutely (laughs) dreadful. (laughs) What the hell, man? Aren't they the ones that invented fake calves, too, for men? Because... So you would strap on these wooden calves so it looked like you had good calves and you're a little tight. <laughs> and the huge blings. That is like, yes. Like, yes. dude, like, seriously, what are you, a fucking New York gangster? What's wrong with you? All right. Let's not, let's not go too far. The third one we're going to talk about is called Ghost, The Ghost Bride and is set in colonial era Malacca. This Malaysian drama tells the story of a woman who receives an unusual offer to become the ghost bride of a wealthy family's recently deceased son. While the opportunity would have save would save Pan Li Lan's family from crippling debt, it would also require her to spend the rest of her days married to a ghost, which is not ideal. I'm fascinated by this one. Me too. Because does that mean, does she have to kill herself in order to become a ghost bride? Like, to live in posterity with this recently deceased dude? Or how do you become a ghost bride? Because the explanation doesn't seem to pan out for me here. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. It's very intriguing. I don't know if that means that she is married, she's married to him and then therefore, you know, she could never have... I mean, she could never, I mean, assuming, let's say she wanted children, she could never have children if she's married to a ghost. I mean, let's, let's assume she doesn't have to kill herself, you know, right, she's right. just, she's just married in name only and going to carry, but I, I don't know. It, I don't know. It's interesting. It also looks very lush. Yes. Yes. That, that would be like probably the first one I'll watch because I want, I want to know how this whole thing pans out. Yeah. I'm, I'm very interested too. So it is in Netflix. It's called The Ghost Bride. So next we have Omniscient. Oh, I've always had trouble with that word. This eerie Brazilian series is set in the near future, revolving around a society under constant Big Brother-like surveillance. Despite the system's drones, a murder is somehow committed without the killer being monitored. And the deceased's father, a tech trainee named Nina, decides to risk everything in order to figure out how the murderer got away. This looks really cool to me. I'm I'm kind of interested in those near future sort of dystopian type things. Yes. So, uh, so and it, with it being Brazilian too, I I don't know. It's, it looks pretty interesting. There's always an, an incredibly sexy element added to to anything Brazilian, and I'm not talking about when I say sexy. I'm not talking about nudity or anything like that. I'm actually talking about a, a an exotic type of reality that is sort of injected into anything uh, Brazilian art films and stuff. So so this mm-hmm. this this definitely will be in and by the way, Brazil is, seems to be the biggest contributor of of foreign TV shows in and uh, it should be watched. I, I think there is another one. I remember Caroline 
girl that we used to work with told me about it was a, a Brazilian show like this, sort of like in the near future dystopian thing called, I think, The Other Side, something like that, and that she was fascinated by it. And I think it's now on its second or third season. So uh, okay. check out those Brazilian shows, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Do. All right, so the next one we've got here is called, of course, Ragnarok. Uh, inspired by Norse mythology, this Norwegian coming-of-age series takes place in a fictitious town of Edda, following the bizarre weather pattern caused by global warming, which seems to be headed for another Ragnarok. As the town faces the threat of pollution and melting glaciers, it becomes clear that only a teenager gifted with the embodiment of Thor can save the people of Edda. Ragnarok is on Netflix. You know what? When I first saw the trailer for that one, I had just finished watching the entire, you know, sequences of all the Marvel Universe shit. And I was like, eh, whatever. I'm, I'm just trying to milk this again. I'm not, I'm not going to watch it. But now I know. I probably will watch it. Yeah. One of my nieces is is very interested in Norwegian culture and anything to do with Norway. So, um, and I don't know very much about Norway um, other than it's cold. <laughs> and, and, and Thor comes from there. I have read some Norse mythology, but I, as like an actual place, I don't know much about it. So obviously this list looks like it's a little bit based on fantasy since this guy is gifted with the embodiment of Thor. Yeah. But I, I think it probably will have some really good visuals and um, it'll be interesting to hear, hear the, the, the language as well. Cause I don't really think I've heard it spoken much. Uh, the one thing I can tell you, if that motherfucker has a hammer, I'm out. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. If your house yeah, has a hammer, it, I'm out. Yeah, I yeah, I agree with you. I'm not gonna take you seriously if you have a hammer. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. I also think that's probably copyright infringement, so <laughs> 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 he's gonna have like a split and mall or an axe or something instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true. But I'm a, I'll I'll take a look. I'll, I'll watch at least one episode to make sure that it's something worth worth watching, but you know, whatever. Let's uh, move on then. Um, moving right along. Moving right along. <laughs> We've got next is Thieves of the Wood. Set in 18th century Belgium, this historical drama series follows the real-life story of charismatic Flemish highwayman Jan de Licht, who led a revolt against the aristocracy during the Austrian occupation, this Robin Hood-esque tale is too charming not to like, and it certainly helps that all the actors are easy on the eyes. Whatever she says. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting that from the picture they put up with this article, but whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, Flemish is one of those languages that I personally when I was learning German, you could easily make the, the, the switch from German to Flemish or Dutch, as it is mostly known. And a lot of people think that Germ German is like very hard on your throat. 
Try speaking, try speaking Flemish, try speaking Dutch, and you like you cannot manage to have a bad cough if you you know if you speak Dutch on. You need you know. the phlegm. Yeah. You need the nice phlegm coating to, exactly. <laughs> to speak it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, like, it's really, for instance, while in German I would eat, I would say uh, good morning as easily as Guten Morgen, uh, in, in, in Flemish, in Deutsch, you have to say Goeiemorgen. Uh, oh, boy. Goeiemorgen. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? While in German I would say Wie geht's? In Flemish or in Dutch, I would have to say, Who had it mit jou? That is not a language. That's literally just rambling with your throat, you know. <laughs> 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 kind of sounds a little bit like you're coughing with at someone. I, I, <laughs> I imagine in these countries, they have to really encourage the use of masks. Exactly. Because I could see me spitting all over somebody if I had to talk like that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly you are absolutely right <laughs> you have to yeah you have to have masks <laughs> yeah and you would need like several because the first one would get wet with your first good morning <laughs> okay that's it i need another mask <laughs> but so I, I i can only imagine what it sounds like to have a dubbed uh from from flemish uh, to, to english so that one i'm gonna watch Probably just out of curiosity, but I'm not entirely um, curious about the storyline or whatever. Um, yeah, no. Yeah, I, yeah, it kind of looks. I mean, even though it's based obviously on something um, historic, I, it kind of looks a little formulaic in the sense of you know Robin Hood esque or whatever. I've seen Robin Hood. I I know how it ends. <laughs> yeah, and Kevin Costner is not that good. Yeah, no, exactly. I was actually thinking of Disney's Robin Hood, but that's that's cool. All right. <laughs> Next, we have Followers. It is Netflix's first Japanese live-action original series telling the stories of various women in Tokyo who are influenced directly or indirectly by social media networks as they pursue their dreams of becoming famous. In the series, women across Tokyo struggle to separate their online presences from their actual selves. And for anyone with an Instagram account, this one will likely hit close to home. So this looks interesting to me from what I understand with Japanese culture. Like, I, I know we have the Instagram influencers and all that here in this country. From what I understand in Japanese culture, it's, it's an even way more out there, popular type thing. So I'm I'm interested in this because it sounds like it might talk a little bit about the fame monster and what sort of things that eat your soul you might trade to become famous. Yeah, this show has been on Netflix actually for for the better part of almost a year now, if I can, to, to be honest. Because like, I remember seeing the trailer of it and it looked absolutely interesting to me. But... I actually thought it was to be to be perfectly honest with you. I didn't know what it was about, and by the judging by the trailer, what I surmised it would be was some kind of modern day psychological trailer um, of you know young Japanese women and blah blah blah. So I'm like, eh, I could watch this one day, but 
clearly I didn't have enough information to know what it was all about. But uh, the colors, the the absolute mixing of colors and and beauties in terms of the intersection of people and colors is a mm-hmm. beautiful thing that happens in this show. And I think the visuals are magnificent and probably the show is actually a good one too. I think one of my favorite things from Japanese cinema, from what I've watched is how important color is in cinema that it it's, it's it, every, it has a meaning like every yes. color has a meaning in it. it. And it's very powerful and emotional and, I really enjoy that about about Japanese cinema. I have not seen, I don't think, any Japanese series, just movies. So um, I'm interested in this. It yes. looks like it could be very, very good. Yes, I'm definitely interested. And in, I, uh, I will be looking at, at that too. I've got quite a few things that I'm, you know, on my playlist right now, mainly because of the show, mainly because of our podcast. So some of, some of the shows that I watch for my own, you know, watching pleasures, I've had to put on the side because on a weekly basis, we've got to find something to watch that we can talk about. And I'm not saying that those things are not necessarily for my watching pleasure, but it is mostly because I'm interested in, you know, uh, discussing those with you for our listeners. Yes. Um, This next one, number eight, is sort of, based on what I've read, it's sort of a little bit of, as a a little vibe of Upload, the series we talked about a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's called My Holo Love, and it's a Korean drama. This K-drama revolves around Ham So-young, a reclusive woman with face blindness disorder whose life is changed by a prototype of holo, a state-of-the-art AI hologram device that's modeled after its genius creator's assistant, Go Nan Do. However, she never expects that the result will be a complicated love triangle between herself, the hologram, and the man who inspired it. What do you think of this one, Luke? I don't know. I'm I'm intrigued by the the face blindness disorder because yes. that's obviously a very real condition and not something I know that I've ever seen dramatized before. Yes. So I'm interested by that and I I don't quite understand how a, a holographic device works with the face blindness. I I'm I'm not my brain's not yeah. making the link between yeah, that. Yeah. So I'll be interested to see I, I'm interested in this. this. That sounds interesting. It sounds like more than just your typical uh, love triangle type thing. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I'm. I'm. I've always been fascinated by the different types of blindness, as opposed to, you know, the the most common blindness, which is the you know total absence of of light or or vision. But you know, color blindness and face blindness is are real conditions, and as you said, but those aren't conditions that have always been portrayed on TV or in movies. Mm-hmm. Some conditions have become so cliche uh, in TV and movies that you 
you almost want to sigh whenever you see, especially amnesia, which they get completely yeah. wrong. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always. <laughs> you know, but face blindness, it's, it's not a thing that I've ever, that I've heard mentioned more than once or twice, probably, in anything. So this yeah. one, this one really rings a bell and I'd like to watch it, definitely. Yeah, I, I would like to give it at least a chance to see what that, how how that works with with how they're going to tie a holographic device to to face blindness. I'm not sure how that would help. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the next one we're going to talk about is Puerta Siete or Puerta Seven. So, uh, of course, this is right out right up my alley because it 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 is about a a soccer club, uh, an Argentine soccer club. But, so let's let's go with the text. It says, created by Martin Zimmerman, who also created Ozark and Narcos. This Argentinian thriller revolves around the attempts of a woman to expose and dissolve the organized crime that exists within an Argentine soccer club. You don't have to be a soccer fan to appreciate this greedy drama. Uh, Puerta Siete, or Puerta 7, if you, you know, for the people who say Cinco de Mayo but don't know, that means May 5th. Um, <laughs> so Siete means 7. <laughs> for the people who ask what day is Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> so this is fascinating in a, in a whole another level, and I'm definitely interested in, in watching, because here's the crazy thing. Argentinians are like Italy's little brothers. As a matter of fact, it's fair to surmise that perhaps 60% of Argentines have a, an Italian last name, either on the paternal or on the maternal side. And a huge chunk of Argentinians hold an Italian passport by heritage. And of course, the history of soccer, the the greatness of, of Argentinian soccer also has a lot to do with Italy, given if you know a little bit of soccer, you'll know that, for instance, Diego Armando Maradona played pretty much his entire professional life in Italy. And uh, there are a lot of Argentinian-born players who have played in the World Cup instead of for Argentina have gone for Italy. One such example is an, a player named Mauro Camoranesi, Argentinian-born, and won the World Cup sometime in the 90s with Italy. So this is fascinating in a lot of sense because the intertwining of Organized crime in soccer, in soccer in itself, it's sort of like an organized crime organization. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think that makes for an absolute thriller. So I'll, I will definitely watch that one. Well, when I when I read the the blurb about this one and I saw the pedigree of Ozark and Narcos, and then I saw it was about soccer, I was like, I think Graham will be very interested <laughs> in this <laughs> one. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, Martin Zimmerman has done it, man. Netflix must really like him because 
you know, Narcos is a fantastic show and Ozark is whoa. <laughs> yes. It's yes. like you can you can never have enough of Ozark. So I'm I'm really looking forward to watching this one. So we've got tenth on the list. We have Queen Sono. Netflix her first original South African crime drama tells the story of a hard partying female secret agent who is capable of fighting crime with lethal skills but who also struggles with PTSD and sex addiction. This series follows her attempts to ignore her deep-seated issues with the help of drugs and alcohol, and as you can imagine, it doesn't always work out so well. I'm very interested in this one. I like the idea of a very flawed lead character, yeah. and I am very interested in this. The, it looks, the production value looks really excellent to me. And I've always been sort of fascinated by South Africa. When I was pretty young, I read a book that was about South Africa and based in South Africa and, and about the, the differences um, that was set in the, the 30s in South Africa and uh, the different languages and things like that. So I, I am very interested in this. Yeah, and, you know, we, we recently actually watched a South African series we're considering having a, a, an episode about. And then, not because the show was bad or anything like that, but we there was something more pressing for the moment. For, yes. and, and we decided to go with that as opposed to that show. So we know the production value of South African dramas are actually great. And I personally was in, absolutely impressed by that particular show that we watched, which is Blood and Water, that at some point eventually we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't, I, I definitely am going with, into Queen Sono with a certain amount of expectation mm -hmm. based on that. Having said that, I do feel like uh, the characters, the character described is one that we've seen before. It, and maybe this particular actress will bring something new or different into it. But I, I can tell, but when you describe, you know, uh, PTSD, uh, drugs and alcohol and sex addiction, I can't help but think about, for instance, Jessica Jones. Um, yeah. A, a little bit of the character that uh, Viola Davis plays on How to Get Away with Murder, who is someone who's clearly traumatized by a lot of shit that has happened in her life and has a, um, a alcohol and uh, alcohol addiction problem. So the flaws in the character are are there to be seen. So it is incumbent upon the actor to show her pedigree with it. So yes. I'm looking forward to seeing that one. You know? Yes. The next one is called Spectros, number 11 on the list. And it says, this Brazilian supernatural thriller takes place in Liberdade, a neighborhood in Sao Paulo known for its sizable Japanese community. In the series, a group of five residents inadvertently bring Japanese Shinto spirits into the world, and it, is, it sets off a dark chain of events that they'd never anticipated. Pro tip, don't watch this one in the dark. 
Uh, the Brazilians are at it again, when I, I can uh, I tell you. Yeah. But if you if you ever want to know how diverse of a country Brazil is, uh, you should other than looking into the history of Brazil. But like if you go back in history and look at the different soccer teams that have represented Brazil in the world stage, you realize that, yes, there, there's Brazilians that have like full-blown German names, <laughs> you know. Of course, we know that that there's a huge chunk of Germans in, in between Argentina and Brazil, and most of them are obviously former uh, Nazis who found refuge in South America, precisely in Brazil and in, in Argentina. But, you know, you've got the Germans, which is how you get, for instance, a Giselle Bündchen. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then you've got Japanese. Like, the, there is a former player in the Brazilian national team called, with last name, uh, Nagamura, you know. So, so Brazil is that kind of diverse country, and you will find some very diverse neighborhoods within Brazil, depending on where you are. So this in itself, Spectros, is fascinated because it is, as, as, as we read, based on a Japanese community in the neighborhood of Liberdade in Sao Paulo. So bring that one on. Spectros is on Netflix. Yeah, that's that's interesting to me because, you know, my ignorance, I had no idea that there was a, a, a large Japanese community in in Brazil. So that's that's interesting to me. I don't know that the content is anything that particularly interests me, but um, but that's OK. I'm willing to give it a shot just because of of that. I'm willing to learn. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Latin America has a has a has a has a bunch of surprising Surprising populars, you know. Uh, South America, South and Central America. You you'll go into the mountains of of Guatemala and shit, and and find some second, third generation Germans. You know, what I mean, uh, in Cuba, for instance, in Havana, there is an actual Chinese neighborhood, uh, and that is pretty alive. And there there are people. With Chinese names and obviously Chinese physique and speak exactly like uh, your regular Cuban, so because they are Cubans. Uh, That's fascinating. <laughs> That's fascinating. I had no idea about Cuba. I, I knew about Germans in in South America because of you know the 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 migration from World War Two, but I. I was not aware of of, of the Chinese in uh, Cuba, and I certainly wasn't aware of the Japanese in in Brazil. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating thing, man. Absolutely yeah. fascinating. Uh, you know, much in the way that in the near future you will have to, uh, you know, we'll have be having conversation about an entire population of Black Greeks. <laughs> you know, because there's been a lot of migration of Africans in Greece and uh, by now they're having children and stuff. In fact, there is a young player in the NBA who is uh, of African descent and represents uh, Greece. So, I mean, that's borders 
are a human construct, <laughs> right? So of course, of course. So, but but like we find opportunities and moments in time and in history to show the world that. Yeah, fuck borders. <laughs> right. <laughs> fuck right. borders, man. I need, to, I need to just cross over and live in your country. So here I am. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So for 12, we have Unstoppable. Set in Mexico City, this teen drama series follows three spoiled 20-somethings as they embark on a road trip to escape from their predictable lives. However, they encounter a mysterious, desperate woman along the way, and she ends up changing the path of their lives forever. Uh, I don't know what to say about this one, because it sounds like, especially for Mexico, it sounds like some kind of drama that I've seen before. But in, in this particular instance, I'm not judging this show unstoppable before seeing it or without seeing it. But I'm just saying that seeing what I hearing what I hear here, the however they encounter a mysterious desperate woman along the way and she ends up changing the path of their lives forever might well be meaning that, you know, they became good angels because they helped some poor and desperate woman. Mm-hmm. But I'll I'll <laughs> I'd have to look into it because I, I don't know that for a fact. I, I, and I don't, I'm not entirely sure that the description does justice to what it probably is. I, I don't know if I'm even making sense. <laughs> no, you are. Based on the description, this is the least interesting one to me. I'm, I'm beyond wanting to watch 20-somethings throw their lives away. <laughs> <laughs> but... The description made by not be doing it justice. And I, it has nothing to do with it being a Mexican production. I just, it, it sounds, it doesn't sound like anything I would be the slightest bit interested in. But, but I don't know. It could be completely wrong with that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so we, I think at the end of the day, the most important thing is to at least give it a go and see really what we think of it as opposed to what the description might uh, might gear us or guide us to think of it. So Very true. We'll do that, right? Yes. So number 13 on the list is Hospital Playlist. And it is another Korean drama. Obviously, Korea has built a reputation for itself for the longest time in, in cinema. But TV series... I I I can't tell you that I've seen a lot of them. So there's well, this is the third one we've mentioned here on no the second one. So at least one of these we have to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it says in this medical K drama, five med school friends begin their residency at the same hospital, where they work together in the VIP wing. Does it have all the drama of Grey's Anatomy? You'll have to find out for yourself. Okay. This is also available on Netflix. If when I watch the first two episodes, if I feel like it's going the the route of a general hospital shit, I'm not I'm not 
I'm not watching it. But I will give it two episodes. I will give my time for two episodes of it. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Medical drama, performance dramas, procedural dramas are kind of like cop procedural dramas for me. I, I typically don't enjoy them. <laughs> so we'll... We'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So, mm-hmm. All right. So we have number 14, which is Blood Ride. Oh, boy. Created by somebody whose name I can't pronounce. Can you pronounce it? I know you can. So that would be Kietel Indragard. Indragard. What a lovely, <laughs> what a lovely sound. The director of Norwegian series Maniac, this Norwegian anthology tells six unique stories set in their own dark universe. Spoiler alert, you'll definitely get major Black Mirror vibes from this one. So that's you know what? I, cool. I actually love these series that each episode is not related to the other for some reason. I do too. I do too. You remember, what was the show uh, Modern Love, right? had this vibe and I loved it. I absolutely loved it because it felt like there was so much value in everything because you're not watching the same characters. You're getting a new story for the price of one, six stories for the price of one, I should say, right? I I actually like this this system. Um, And uh, we know that the Nordics, the Norwegians and the Swedish and I, uh, they do great stuff. Like it's, it's not, you know, the, it's not playing around. It's not a question of, oh, they just built up a reputation and they've gone to shit. It's like everything they do has the same absolute watchable value, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I've never never watched Black Mirror, so. I don't know what vibe they're talking about, but I definitely am going to watch this one, uh, Blood Ride. <laughs> do you know anything about Black Mirror? You do yes, watch it. Ha- yes, I have watched Black Mirror. It's um, very creepy, but not in the horror sense, more in the psychological thriller sense. And very sort of like a sideways view of the world, which is kind of fun sometimes. Very cynical. Mm. Yeah, that sounds high. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> that sounds high. Yeah. So, moving on then, we are going to talk about number 15. It's the penultimate one. Is the Valhalla Murders, right? Netflix's first Icelandic series tells the story of an Oslo detective with a dark past who must return to his native Iceland to help an ambitious Icelandic detective investigate a series of murders. The longer these two investigate the case, the more likely it seems that these crimes were committed by the same person. That is interesting, Johnson, because well, Iceland is, is quite small. So you have to have a great set of balls to become a... Serial murder, <laughs> serial killer <laughs> in a small neighborhood, isn't it? <laughs> uh, so true. Like, they'll never find me. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it's George down the street. 
like and likely the likelihood is that he belongs to the fucking soccer team. Because <laughs> 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 Iceland, Iceland is like half of Iceland is the is the national soccer team. <laughs> oh God, that sounds so ignorant. But <laughs> just just to give you a clue, and I always go back to soccer. The dude that is the coach for the Iceland national team is actually Iceland's most famous filmmaker. Um, oh. No, no, actually, no, the the goalkeeper for the team is Iceland's most famous filmmaker. So that tells you how little of a country it is. So the idea everybody of has to wear two hats. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm the chef. But I'm also the I'm also the vice president. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that they could be a serial killer there it's, it's amazing. But but I I've seen some trailers of this show, The Fahala Murders, and I am um, I'm curious. I like the yeah. darkness of it. Um, yeah. it's it's sort of like always the way I've imagined for some reason Anchorage, Alaska to be or whatever, but Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Um, speaking of Anchorage, Alaska, this week I was watching a family feud <laughs> and I don't know, there's some funny people in there. So Steve Harvey asked this lady, uh, we asked a hundred people, name some place where you would meet a, um, very bad date. And the lady says, Anchorage, Alaska. And Steve Harvey <laughs> looks at her like, what the fuck? And like this moment of silence. And then she said, and she's like a lady in her 60s, right? She's like, there's some pretty bad dudes out there, man. <laughs> I was like, yo, <laughs> she must have a story to tell. <laughs> That's kind of the thing during the commercial break. You're like, ma'am, what exactly happened to you in Anchorage, Alaska? Tell Do me. I need to call a therapist? <laughs> First of all, random, and then, of course, you wanted to let you know, yeah, I said that because I know some shit, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> oh, good Lord. All right. Anchorage, Alaska, and all, let's move on to the very last one, Jojo. <laughs> so last one we have is The Process. In this Italian crime series, a group of characters find themselves implicated in the death of a 17-year-old, including a prosecutor with personal ties to the victim, a lawyer who considers the trial the chance of a lifetime, and the sole defendant who asserts her innocence. This one will likely keep you guessing until the very end. So, total and full disclosure, I sort of like rolled my eyes when I saw the trailer for this one. Mm -hmm. And once I tell you why, you will see my point. I felt like it was slightly a ripoff from the Amanda Knox story. See, I was thinking that when I was reading that. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, God, really? Oh. Um, but it might well be a great, great, great show. But I, that's, that's, that's the vibe I got. So if I yeah, were to watch this one, I definitely would watch it as the last one. Yeah, I, I yeah, this would probably, yeah, I... I was thinking that too, and and even in looking at the the picture of, I'm not sure if she's the, 
the defendant or not. She sort of looks like she's portraying a defendant yeah. just in her posture and everything. To me, she even sort of looks like Amanda Knox. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is true. Yeah. So. But, uh, you know, here you have it. So 16 TV shows, foreign TV shows that could be watched. And I'd like to definitely add to this one, you know, a couple of Spanish-speaking shows that I've talked about. So um, bear with me, but but I do think that people should definitely watch this Colombian TV series. It's been two seasons already called Wild District. It is it is an absolutely riveting show. And I think I re- recommended it last year in one of ours, in one of our, you know, big lists of shows. But you can, this one is dubbed in English and it's a, it's a fantastic job they've done. But it tells a story of a reformed guerrilla guerrilla uh, individual who is trying to readapt to society. And I think it is fascinating. The acting there is very good, but more than anything, the story is, is, is thrilling. So I'd like to throw that one in there. You've got one for, you got anything that you particularly would like to recommend, Georgia? I know it's everywhere and everybody's talked about it, but it is uh, definitely lives up to the the hype would be Parasite. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have not seen Parasite yet. And I know that it's actually available to see, to, wa- to watch on TV now. But it might well be because of the hype that accompanied it. I'm trying to, like, watch it at a time where it's, it probably seemed like ancient history as opposed to Fresh in the I can mind. understand that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. yep, I can completely understand that. But speaking of, of Parasite Director, before we go, I'd like to read this quote from Bong Joon-ho, who said during his acceptance speech at the 2020 Oscars after he won for Best Picture, he said, once you overcome the one-inch barrier of subtitles, you will be introduced to so many more amazing films. And I think if we look at subtitles, if we look at language barriers, if we look at the imperfections of dubbing as a one-inch barrier, then it won't seem so bad to just kick it out of the way and move on into a completely different universe, open the windows to a world that is there to be explored, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. I think it's a lovely way of putting it, a, a, a different way of thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dang, George, like, we like deep and shit. What? <laughs> 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 All right, everyone. Uh, it's about that time for us to let you know that you can follow the show on every social media platform except LinkedIn. So we are on... <laughs> on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Pinterest. Uh, Also, you can find Jocelyn on Instagram as... Jocelyn Podcast. I am Graham, Mr. Puzzetta, M-R-P-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A. M-R-P-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A. 
We also have a website, which is kickinandstreamingpodcast.com. We have the entire archives of everything we've ever said on this show, starting from day one. And this particular show, I believe, is going to be our episode, what, 68 or 69? I don't know, 69. Yeah. So we've been out here for a while, <laughs> and we've said a lot. So very... If you'd like to catch up with us, all is in there. So go back and take a look at it. Uh, we want to thank everyone for coming back because, I mean, I don't know if you were able to see this, Jojo, but we, we had a huge increase in listenership. And it seems like people are definitely catching up because generally we had a huge number of listens and downloads during the past week and um i'm glad to see that happening because it means you know if you have been away for the past four months there's some shows that you you didn't hear about you weren't listening to your podcast regularly and now you're back and now you're listening now you're trying to catch up so thankfully the shows that this show has a this is this is a term that I learned from Jojo, an evergreen quality to it. <laughs> <laughs> and so you can always come back and catch up with the episodes from three months ago and you still you can still whether you've watched a show, a movie or not, there's always something. Because if you've watched it, you probably would like to hear what we have to say about it. And if you haven't, yep. you probably would like to Hear what you say, what we have to say about it, as to whether or not it should interest you. It's worth your time watching. So this is the purpose of the show, isn't it? Yes. So uh, thank you very much, everyone, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yay! Yay. Thank you, everybody. Bye now. Yay. Bye.